and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the Pack Heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, happy new year, and welcome to episode 57, where today I have Aaron Skelton, who is the president and CEO of the Canadian Health Food Association, joining me as the first cab off the rank for 2022. Today's conversation is primarily focused on the CHFA's past, present, and future, and is a really great episode for those of you who are in need of an industry network refresh for 2022, or are new to the food-based CBG world and are sitting on the fence about becoming a CHFA member and all of the benefits and programs that you can leverage to further accelerate your business. The CHFA was formed in 1964 and is Canada's largest national trade association dedicated to the natural health and organic products industry and represents more than 1,000 business owners and operators just like you within an industry that contributes more than $3.5 billion to the Canadian economy. There are two trade shows coming up this year in 2022, the CHFA West, which is now known as CHFA Now in April, and the CHFA East trade show, which is going to be in September. But if you scroll down into the show notes, I've actually got the dates down there, which you can click on through to the website. But before we do kick off into the show, I do have a couple of moments that I'd like to dedicate to our show sponsors, Food Pack and Futurepreneur Canada. It's important to remember that your packaging is the first and most meaningful interaction that your consumer will have with your product. And at Food Pack, we focus exclusively on what your vision and needs are and work really hard to deliver a flexible package that serves its purpose properly at the right price. So if you're looking to get into the market for the first time this year in 2022, or would like to assess your existing packaging and program, or are interested in our packaging equipment like our Cipramac vacuum chamber machines, Plexpack band sealers, and Reefpack tray sealers and thermoformers, I recommend that you get into touch with me directly by emailing me at hayden at foodpack.ca or by calling me on my work cell which is 604-360-6790. Futurepreneur Canada is the only national non-profit organization that provides financing, mentoring and support tools to aspiring business owners aged 18 to 39. The key function that Futurepreneur plays is with financing and mentoring, where you can access up to 60 grand in financing, which comes paired with an expert business mentor for up to two years and resources to help you plan, manage and grow your business. So if you're looking to start a business in BC or anywhere in Canada for that matter, head to futurepreneur.ca forward slash pack heavy and sign up now to connect with a Futurepreneur business development manager and learn how Futurepreneur can support you on your entrepreneurial journey. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Aiden. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Mate, it's great to have you here as well. Uh, we were just having a bit of a chat before the episode kicked off that last week we were uh, we were scheduled to have a conversation, but air traffic and air travel got in our road. It's been a while since I've had to do it and it hasn't changed. They haven't figured it out yet. So still, <laughs> still some scheduling, but I appreciate you accommodating. Yeah, no worries, mate. And how was your trip out here to Vancouver? You were out here for one or two days? Uh, just for a couple of days. Um, yep. In the time that I've been with the organization, it's actually the first trip I've been able to make out west. And so the opportunity to meet with some members, meet face to face, have some some great discussions. It was a really, really good trip. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Awesome, mate. Yeah, no, there's a lot going on out here. And 
you know, I've been in the, um, in the food industry my whole life. And, mm -hmm. uh, since I've been in Vancouver, which was, you know, it's been on and off since 2007, but we sort of really established, established ourselves here in 2010 until 2012. And that was when I first came across the CHFA when I was working for Salt Spring Coffee, because we had a booth set oh, up excellent. and been yeah, there ever wonderful. since. Yeah. But now I'm at Food Pack and I've walked the floor. And, uh, but obviously there's been a hiatus of the CHFA with the, you know, situation that we've all found ourselves in the world and we're all looking, really looking forward to it coming back to life. Yeah. There's a lot of pent up enthusiasm. People are pretty, uh, they've missed some of the, you know, the things we did around events, yeah. obviously, you know, enjoyed the other things that we've done, but, uh, this is a community of, of, uh, people that like spending time with each other and they've yeah. definitely missed out on it. Yeah. You're not wrong about that. Sure. Um, I guess the, you know, I was really looking forward to having you on the show today to sort of discuss this CHFA and obviously your history with the organization as well. And I mean, you know, a lot of the listeners will be familiar with the trade show and, and the conference as well, you know, I'm just reading off your website here because it's a great resource, but it's a great opportunity for people to meet up in the industry and really meet your peers, which is awesome and get to know new products and get noticed out there as well and build brand awareness. So there's a lot of value in the trade show and uh, also being a member of the show. But before we kick off into all of that, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Sure. Yeah, no, I, uh, I grew up uh, born and raised uh, just outside of Toronto um, in Scarborough. Um, so spent my, my young formidable years there. I've actually spent most of my career in Ontario. Um, so I haven't, I haven't, uh, continent jumped like you have a few times. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, born and raised in Toronto. So, um, sort of the great, uh, great upbringing there and, and gave me, you know, the opportunities I, I ended up having going off to university of Guelph and, and pursuing my education there. And that was in nutrition, nutrition science. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Hayden. Interestingly enough, my my entire family is uh, made up of engineers, yeah. <laughs> and I uh, I thought I I would probably follow that path, and so started uh, my academics in in engineering. And uh, you know, a couple of years in, realized that that was my family passion and not mine. And uh, loved nutrition, loved food, but had that uh, that that science bent to me. And yeah. so, nutrition and nutraceutical sciences was just budding, was just coming out. Yeah. Um, our textbooks were, were journal articles because they. They hadn't written, written the textbooks yet. Um, so it was just a really exciting time to get into that field. And yeah. um, so made that made that pivot sort of mid, midstream in university. And uh, so glad that I did. That was back when creatine was sort of on everybody's lips. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, there was uh, all the, the, the cusp of, uh, of supplements hitting yeah. the market. It was yeah. an exciting time. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So I see also that you're into cycling as well. So is this something that's a part of your life at the moment? uh part of or taken over is taken over. <laughs> really okay. hard to, to yeah describe. you're addicted it yeah. depends who you, you if you talk to my wife or not um <laughs> as i'm staring at the cycling jerseys in my office yeah. um yeah i love it it's um anything sort of sport related has always been a bit of a passion yeah uh, but fell in love with cycling and just the community that's around it uh the, the the tech side of it is something I, I love diving into but yeah. uh if you want to find me in my happy place it's uh, it's on two wheels that's in the sure. saddle yeah absolutely that's great. And how many days a week do you find yourself out on the road? With a four-month-old, not very often yeah. these days. Yeah. And with Canadian winters, it slows down a little oh, bit. Yeah, but, of course. Uh, but trainer yeah. trainers and Zwift have been a, a huge, a huge reprieve for me. So um, I'll get back into my routine. But training was, you know, a good, good five or six days a week. Yeah, um, yeah. Which we'll we'll get back there eventually. Were you ever competitive? Did you race? 
I do some racing. I, yep. I don't know. Uh, they're, they're more rec leagues and sort of rec races. Uh, yep. I got really into duathlons. That was sort of my, my sweet spot. Um, love the idea of tries, but swimming kind of throws me off in open waters. Yep. So yep. Um, cycling and running did that. And my dad got into it. So it was a great sort of family thing, sort of pull everyone uh, together on race day. And yep. so, yeah, looking forward to getting back to that next year too. That's great. Yeah. No, you were saying you've obviously got a four month old and a four and a half and a two year old, you said? Exactly. Yeah. The, the house is full. Exactly what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Have you got a support network around you? You've got a family and, you know, to accommodate and yeah. help out. No, I, it's been good. I think like most people though, uh, the pandemic has, has yeah. thrown uh, some wrenches into those plans. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's felt a little bit more normal, a little bit more supported recently, but yeah. uh, no, good, great, uh, great kids um, and great family to support us. Oh, mate. You're blessed. Congratulations. Yeah. No, yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank no you. No worries. So going back through the history of your working career um, on LinkedIn, I see, you know, you sort of cut your teeth at Loblaws in operations and category and senior director management and merchandising. Like you did a lot at Loblaws. Is that where you got your sort of real start in, uh, in retail? It, it, it was. I mean, Hayden, um, oddly enough, I, I graduated university and thought I could go change the world, like mm -hmm. most most people like out of, of us, uh, yeah. their education, and thought, everyone's <laughs> going to be chomping at the bit to hire me. And uh, what I quickly realized is people wanted this really small thing that I didn't have called experience. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I, I got to go cut my teeth someplace. Um, and Loblaws had some opportunity to open the store within a store health food concepts. And yeah. I thought, yeah, I know that's, that's something I could do until I find my real job. And being on that shop floor and talking to consumers and, and seeing them day in and day out and, you know, connecting them with products and, you know, problem solving for them. That's where that retail bug caught me. Yeah. And I just realized that, you know, this might be something I, I wouldn't mind doing for a long time. And mm. um, the great thing about being in an organization like Loblaws is, you know, there's, there's an opportunity to connect in all the different areas and aspects of the business. Yep. So, um, did the shop floor, got to do regional and national operations. Um, as you noted, you know, you get involved in merchandising and marketing and mm -hmm. procurement and negotiations. And it was just such a, a an interesting, um, organization if you wanted to dabble into different things. And, mm. um, so I could take that, that passion that I had for helping people and mm -hmm. apply it in a whole bunch of different ways. So really, really great experience with Loblaws. Um, yep. Uh, and really enjoyed the uh, the opportunities it gave me. Tell me a little bit about Green Space. Is it a different industry, or I'd like to know a little bit about that because you were the COO yeah. there as well. So it's definitely operations, and yeah, yeah, it was a, that that was a neat one. I um, I spent so many years when I was with Lava, I was watching and um, sort of celebrating my friends that had started businesses and been yeah. successful in the space, and obviously I had a passion for the industry given where I worked at Loblaws, mm -hmm. but um, seeing them sort of build from sort of vision to execution, something that was really intriguing. So um, there's a bit of a change of plans at, at one of the projects I was working on at Loblaws. And I said, you know what, maybe this is my opportunity. Maybe this is, you know, that, that signal that I should go try the other side of the desk. So myself and a, a business partner, we started Greenspace. And, and the whole idea with Greenspace was to take all these um, sort of disparate organizations that all had a shared passion for bringing products to Canadians, mm. but maybe didn't have the sophistication of uh, a marketing department or a finance department. Yeah. As a buyer, I had seen so many um, companies come in and you know, great product, but didn't know how to market it or amazing marketing, but their product development needed mm. work. And so the whole concept with green space is if you could create that consolidated backend to support entrepreneurial businesses, that you could sort of roll those up and, and create, um, you know, a one plus one equals three sort of scenario. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were still in the same industry. We um, 
we launched a you know a handful of brands in the first year. Uh, we we took the the company public after year one. We uh, went through five uh, five acquisitions, a couple of divestitures. It was just a wow. it was a six year period in my career where I you know just felt like you're drinking from a fire hose. But yeah. such an amazing experience to see all facets of the industry. It was a, yeah. a really cool time. Yeah. What what was sort of the key takeaways or learnings that you sort of you know um, that you took away from that six year period? Because it sounds like a lot happened. You know. Yeah. Um, my number one lesson I walked away yep. with, uh, public companies are hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of, yeah. I, yeah. I think anything, um, you know, the, the business is one thing, yep. but managing the business and being a founder of an organization is different, yeah. right? And yeah, yeah. your responsibility changes that, that uh, aperture and what you're responsible for mm. is different. I did a lot of sort of quote unquote entrepreneurial things at Loblaws, but there was nothing like, you know, uh, having a look at the books and making sure the payroll goes through at the end of the week. Yep. And yep. Um, so I think that perspective that I gained uh, through that experience was was really special. Um, and then just the challenges of larger organizations and scaling organizations. Yep. Um, so we talked off the top, I, I got a, a science background and it's that whole concept of a cell can only get so big before it's got to start to divide because yeah. it just can't sustain its own life. And, and organizations are like that too. And, and you hit that certain threshold where you got to figure out what's your divide, what's mm. your, you know, how do you break up the business and, and bring thought leadership into those different aspects. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think I had an appreciation prior to starting green space, but then going through those evolutions and those different phases um that was one of the bigger things is you got to really tangibly take stock of where you are in your evolution and there's mm. just times and places where you got to bring people on who who had that specialty and that subject matter expertise mm. and, and picking that moment is mm-hmm. is part of the secret sauce for success that's such a great analogy like i can visualize it right now and you're so right <laughs> yeah well and you meet with a lot of founders and yeah. uh, i used to joke that uh the weakest thing in any organization is the thing the thing a founder thinks they're good at yeah. And because you hold on to that. Yeah. They don't want to let it go, minute. do they? Yeah. I'm a sales guy. I don't need to hire a salesperson. Yeah. Um, but you you really have to, as a leader and a founder of an organization, <clears throat> step back and mm. separate yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's something I'll carry with me, that, mm. that realization. Being an operational sort of roles, have you sort of sounds to me like you're the kind of person that likes to step back and have a look at the full vision, you know, take a full snapshot of the operation and all of the moving pieces is that sort of inherently who you are as a person? Like you can look back and sort of understand what's going on in front of you. Yeah, I mean, everyone's got a talent and a mm. skill that they apply. I mean, I I don't think I put my myself in the bucket of um, you know living in the details every day. Mm. I think my my skill set tends to be more leveraged in what you described and like how do you connect the bigger pictures pick up on the thematics um understand you know where you're trying to get to and some of the bigger steps you've got to take to get there Mm. um it's something i enjoy i like look i love problem solving Mm -hmm. i I love um you know something other people have been staring at can't figure out it's like okay maybe we've got to look at it from the other side yeah one of my favorite words is perspective yeah. And I think if you bring that to life in general, but business specifically, it, it can be really helpful to mm. pick up on some of the more macro trends and, and directions of where things are going. Mm. What do you do to get perspective on a business idea or a business problem? Yeah, I, one of the reasons I love this industry and I'm still in it after all these years yeah. uh, is the community. Yeah. Right? It's just such a diverse group of people. And I, I hate, I can imagine in your role, yeah. um, you got to meet a lot of different businesses at different phases. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that community of perspectives that I think enables us to make really cool decisions. And um, so I, I think 
where my career has taken me. I've had the opportunity to connect with a lot of people um, with the Canadian Health Food Association. It's such a, a hub for the industry uh, that being able to discuss and share and deliberate uh, over things with such a, a, a neat uh, community of people. Um, I think that's where I go, right? You just, yep. the, the, the diversity of opinions and thoughts and experiences yeah. make every decision I make better. And, yeah. and the more that you can get, uh, I think it, it, it helps on the other side. Yeah. And that sort of echoes um, what Richard Pollock was saying. So I was fortunate enough to have um, just interviewed Richard from NSC. And he was talking about the value of being a member of, you know, the CHFA and obviously being involved in the inner workings of the organization as well and the community and being able to, yeah, network and be a part of, you know, having great discussions with the peers and so on. And yeah, just echoes everything you were saying, which was really cool. Well, he's a great guy, uh, and I wish I had known because I, I would have chat. I saw him on Friday when I was uh, okay. when I was out west. Oh, you did yeah. see him? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. No, he was he was out at our little meetup, and yeah. uh, he is the distillation of what we are as an industry. Right, yeah, that's it's cool. Just, it's in yeah. his lifeblood, and yeah. it, it's great to see all yeah. his success. Yeah, he's doing very well. Mm-hmm. And then the Peloton project. Yeah. <laughs> so my passion of biking. Yeah. Um, so when I when I left uh, Green Space, um, it was to take a little bit of a pause. Didn't didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I, I kind of run its course to doing uh, doing that business. Yeah. Um, and I thought I'd take a break, but but what I quickly realized is. Um, I like talking industry. I like uh, discussing business with people. I like yeah. solving problems. Um, and then this moment, epiphany moment happened that people will actually pay you to have those conversations. And so consulting kind of fell into my lap. It wasn't mm-hmm. something I, I sought after. Um, but the Peloton project was just a, a sort of the formalization of that that consulting business. And it, yeah. it was a really interesting time, right? I mean, I I, I learned that I loved the industry so much that I couldn't stop talking about it. But I also realized I missed the building of something. And when you're sort of on your own and, and doing consulting, you you give your thoughts and opinions and, and um, sort of directions, and then you walk away and you don't get to see yeah, the take execution. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to be a part of yeah. the build and the, the execution of it. Yeah. And, and so like most things in my career, I feel like the good decisions are helpful and the bad decisions are helpful. And mm. I think, you know, consulting, although it won't be my future was really eye-opening for me on what parts I did like mm. and how I missed um, team building. And I missed mm. the, the cultural aspect of it. Um, and so, yeah, but Peloton was a, a great little run in between gigs um, in, in a, you know, a multitude of different ways, good and bad. Yeah. It gave you some time to sort of really, you know, get an understanding of the direction that you wanted to move in. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. we said before, it's that yeah. perspective, yeah. right? Anything that yeah. adds another da- data point, right, yeah. into how you think about things, yeah. Um, yeah, is helpful. Yeah, no, I found that I was uh, laid off when COVID first hit from my full time job mm-hmm. at Salt Spring, and I had five and a half months off, and I just completely focused on the family, like in the yes. kids, and yes. you know, COVID for everybody was a time of sort of reflection, and you know, you know, not uncertainty as well. Uh, but for me, it was really an opportunity to sort of figure out the direction that we were taking our lives in. And, mm-hmm. and it was, it was amazing for that. And I was really grateful yeah. that I had that five and a half months off. Well, one of the best pieces of advice I got during my sort of uh, bridge period between working yeah. um, was to worry less about the job and worry more about the situation. Yeah. 
And it sounded like just semantics at the time, but, but as I've gone through it, it it made a lot more sense. I, I had to focus on, you know, how did I want my, my life to be work and personal sort of intermingled and and what type of situation did I want to exist in and what was going to bring me joy. And, Mm. and that changes how you think about, you know, evaluating opportunities. Right. And, and so I, I passed that forward. I would say, don't, don't worry about the job, worry about the situation. Um, and then filter for the job that you want. And it sounds like you went through that, that process as well. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I sort of needed time to sort of really think about what it is that I wanted to do and, you know, having really in-depth conversations with my wife about where we want to live and what we want to be doing and the kind of life that we wanted to create for our children. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, these conversations, you know, they take time to develop as well and ideas Mm -hmm. take time to develop. And then you've got to put a plan in place and, you know, execute on that plan and, you know, it's just put one foot in front of the other and, you know, it all works out yes. in the end, but at yes. the time, especially in the early days when there's so much uncertainty and you're like, I'm not too sure what the future looks like here. It can be a really scary thing, but you come out the other side of it so much stronger for it. Well, and there's no, um, there's nothing wrong about having hesitancy, mm. right? I think uncertainty mm. is sort of ingrained in everything that we do. Yep. Um, but believing in the process is an mm. important part of it. Yep. And, um, you know, wherever that belief comes from for you as a person, mm. um, but just understanding that, you know, you're, you're given the best thought to the information you've got at the time mm-hmm. you've got it, and you're going to make some decisions yep. and you're going to evaluate those through time. And, and I think if we all sort of took more sort of pause and, and reflection moments, uh, mm. that would be helpful to most yeah. people. It sounds like you and I were put in that situation yeah. and that, that that's one thing, uh, but I think everyone can benefit from the same sort of thought. I process. agree. I agree completely. And one of the, I guess the key components of the way that I sort of moved through this space was having a really strong network of people around me and people that I could reliably, you know, bounce ideas off and help sort of guide me as well. Um, Do you have a a network of people around you that you still sort of utilize to help guide you and the decisions that you're making in life? Yeah. I, uh, great, great question. I mean, I've been lucky enough to have some great mentors and leaders that I have a chance to work with. And, and uh, so definitely reach out to, to that group. Um, I'd also say there's uh, people that have different perspectives than I do. Mm. And I, I tend to keep a, a few of those calls um, handy when, whenever I need to discuss something. Cause I don't know about you, but it, there does come times where you feel like you get in a little bit of an echo chamber, yep. right? You, you know, you hang out with people you like because they tend to share some of your same sort of perspectives. Mm-hmm. And so, so having, you know, in that advisor group, a group of people that you tend not to agree with, I find really useful Mm. and something I often share with people, you know, people you like and you share values with, but may approach decisions a little bit differently. Mm. So there's definitely the group of uh, sort of mentors I've worked with in the past, people I may not have always seen eye to eye with, but, you know, have a huge deal of respect for. Um, And I find that that network, and I I don't know if it's the same in, in your sort of business, but um, it's fluid, right? It's uh, there's people that depending on the time and the place yep. come into that group. And, yeah, absolutely. And so it's not like this dedicated group of people, but it's this, it is a network, right? Yeah. And it depends on the situation and the, you know, the perspectives you need, but yeah. um, I'm, I'm much like you. Like I, I think that, you know, the best ideas are often not mine and you got <laughs> to connect in with the right people to, to, to come across them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll say the word again, it's perspective. Like these people yep. have got perspective and they can see things that you can't, like they can see your blind spots and uh, they definitely help speed up the process. That's what I found. It's been great. Well, they, they do. And, and I am, mm-hmm. um, I've always been sort of one of the younger guys in whatever positions I've been in. And, yep. and I, I don't mind sharing this. I turned 40 this year. And, and one of the things I've realized humbly is that experience matters. 
right? Just having the ability to draw on things you've been through in the past. Yep. And you know, I was like 26, 27, thought I was going to take over the world. And I just <laughs> look back at that poor young guy and go, you just didn't know what you didn't know. Yeah. And I think mentors and advisors and groups are the guys that can add that without you having to go through those years of gaining the experience, right? Yeah. It's always great to learn from someone else's experience. You don't have yeah. to repeat it yourself. And yeah. that, that's the way I look at those advisors. They've just been through things and seen things that yeah. I haven't. Yeah. Let's let's leverage that experience so I don't have to live it at the yeah. same time. So, yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. It's a combination of both, isn't it? Like there are some mistakes that are really important to make because it's the yes. only way that you'll actually learn. And then there are other ones like big potholes in the road that you can have somebody say, Hey, you got to avoid this one. This will do some yes. damage. So yeah, it's a yeah. combination. Yeah. <laughs> now the CHFA, there's a rich history there. It was formed in 1964 and here we are all the way down the road, almost in 2022. Mm -hmm. And there is about to be a change on the horizon here with the yes. CHFA now. And that's just recently been um, announced, which was really cool. I've spent some time on your website and I had a look at it all and it, it seems great. But going back to 1964, I'd love to hear a little bit of a history about the story and, and how the organization came about. Sure. Yeah. I, I, um, as I said, I was, I was out last weekend your way or last week um, talking to members. And, and part of that, the thematic was, you know, from its founding in 1964, it's actually been an association consistently about change, yeah. right? Like it is, it has always been on that thin edge. Um, mm -hmm. and in 1964, it happened to be a whole bunch of people selling quote unquote health foods and they were sort of marginalized. It was a bunch of hippies. They really weren't having their voice heard within the trade. Um, you know, regulatory concerns with, with government were still plentiful. And, mm -hmm. and so that's where it really came from was a, you know, a small group of people um, who wanted to ensure a, a better uh, voice for health food at the time and to really break out of this position of it was fringy Birkenstock wearing granola guys, um, which I actually went back and referenced our old uh, yearbook. Um, and that's how they would describe themselves, right? That, that, that's what they were fighting against. So I think that perspective of what health food was, imagine back in 1964, it feels commonplace now, but it was yeah. really marginalized back in 1964. And so it was this organization that came together to make sure that we were connecting and networking uh, with the right groups with, within the Canadian space. Uh, they had a, an office in DC. They opened quickly opened up one um, in Toronto and became a national organization. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the charge that they had then is, is, is really truthfully, no different now, which is like, how do we get more health food products into the hands of more Canadians? Mm -hmm. And by organizing and, and, and connecting and sharing best practices, um, that was really the genesis of why it came together. It, it very quickly used uh, the event space to create those connections. Mm. And that's why there's such a rich, steep history in, in the shows themselves, mm. right? Because they were the, the cornerstones, the touch points where, where industry came together. So if you were a retailer, a supplier, or a service provider, you know, these were these cornerstone events that you could attend. Mm. And, and as you've noted, that's been sort of the evolution and it's, they've gone really well. You've attended them. Most people, if you're in the space in, mm. in Canada have attended over the years. Um, but COVID shone a light on the the you know the the potential risk with relying on getting you know ten thousand people in a building together and and so we've spent this last year and as you've noted unveiled some changes coming up mm. but really leaning in and, and and communicating on the fact that you know the shows are eight days a year and those are eight wonderful days mm. um, but you know there's you know three hundred and fifty some odd other days yeah. um, that you know this community can drive a lot of value together so although it was steeped and 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 originated in sort of the event space and and bringing the trade together. Mm. 
I think, you know, those are just touch points now on this grand continuum of value that uh, this community gets from, from being a part of it. Right. So would you suggest that, you know, obviously there's a lot of community involved as you were just saying, you know, and strengthening relationships and, you know, building brand presence and so on, but you were saying that, you know, it's not just the trade show. So what else does the association have to offer its members? Yeah, so we've got several different platforms. Meet mm-hmm. Meetup is the more logical one because yep. it's about you know connecting, getting together, discovery. Uh, the shows have been amazing over the years. Mm. There's always opportunity to improve. So I think what what the industry and the community will see in April in Vancouver when we we relaunch yep. um, is so much more than the actual trade and, and Meetup component. Yeah. Um, Stand Up is another one of our big platforms. That's more around um, conveying the voice of our membership in right. in, in Ottawa. So okay. uh, as I noted to you, I got a, I got a call with the some government officials after this. And, yeah. and that's a big part of the work that we do is, mm-hmm. is ensuring that we create a, a regulatory environment where we can all succeed. Mm. Um, where um, you know, the companies that are doing it for the right reasons have, have the right environment so that they can be successful. And so a lot of our, our work is around policy development and, and uh, working, yeah, with, working cool. with Health Canada. Um, the other two are more about sort of mentorship and, and re- um, education. So we, we've got a lot. Yeah, so level up is um, I'm a I'm a data junkie. I love mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I love research, um, and uh, for a lot of small and medium sized organizations, it's really hard to access. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I work I work for Loblaws, and getting data on our industry was tough. Yeah. Um, and so we really think that the association, you know, has a, a responsibility to be able to sort of pull some of that information together and then share it um, with with the community mm. so that they can use those insights and, and um, newly learned skills, right, to, to be able to support their businesses. Um, and then lift up is more around mentorship, right? Mm. So um, I have been uh, sort of really honored over the years to be able to connect with some really successful people in this mm. industry. And I, I know through your podcast, you've had an opportunity to connect with many of them, um, but there's not a lot of platforms to do that. And um, we're big on this sort of one-to-many platform of how do we get some of these really skilled, really successful um, leaders within our organization, our, our industry, to be able to share what they've learned back to the community. Um, so it's one thing to create events where there's connection moments, uh, but to formalize that into a mentorship platform. Mm-hmm. If you're coming into this space in Canada, um, our organization should be the first place you call, right? right? You know, who do I connect with? Who do I talk to? You've had the opportunity to connect with a lot of leaders in this space. All of them are great people who do want to give back. Many of them don't know how. Mm-hmm. And I think by creating an opportunity within the association for that that work to uh, take place, there's a, a really cool special moment where that new cohort of really exciting, vibrant, uh, um, sort of passionate entrepreneurs can be connected with guys like Richard Pollock, yeah. right? Who can say, "Hey, I'd love to help you. Here's some things I learned. Uh, give me a call if you ever need anything." Yeah. And there's these really special connections that happen there. So you know, the events will never change; they'll just get better. Yeah. Um, but I think that that diversity of support, right, whether it's education or mentorship or government work, um, really gives the value the rest of the year. That's, there's a lot going on. How big is the team at CHFA? We are a small and mighty team of 21. Wow. Um, uh, for, for the amount of things that we we push out and get yeah. done, it, it often impresses me. But uh, we're all working from home now. Um, yep. All doing all doing remote. Um, but uh, an amazing group of people do some pretty special stuff. Yeah, great. And so, where do you spend the vast majority of your time? My basement. No. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's <laughs> a little physically too in Sorry, my man. basement. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I think COVID is, has added a different perspective. Use yeah. that word again. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the work has been about restructuring the team, yeah. getting the right platforms in place. So a lot of that development work that connects back with, with membership. Uh, we've also spent this last year doing um, five different virtual shows, hmm. uh, which was a learning for everyone, how to build them, how to execute them, how to encourage engagement on them. Um, so for me personally, a lot of my time now is spent trying to connect with members, right? We, we exist because of membership and mm. we're here to serve our members mm -hmm. and we're in the past we probably have opportunities to meet face to face and, and have those collisions um they haven't really been able to take place that same way so a lot of my time is is outreach to, to members member development um a lot of our partnerships because that's mm -hmm. been a big part of what we're working on yeah so more of the um not transactional partnerships, but the more emotional, strategically aligned partnerships. So yeah. uh, we announced some with some some data and insights companies, bringing those on board to roll out into the platforms. Um, so a lot of it is that that relationship building and that network building within the community. Fantastic. Now, the definition of health food and natural food has probably changed over the years, as you suggested, like right back <laughs> in 64. Yeah, yeah, I know. Since yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's an industry that's constantly evolving and constantly changing. And I was fortunate enough to go to the Planted Expo. Uh, it was probably mm -hmm. about a month ago in Vancouver, and that was fantastic. There's so much innovation and, you know, great things happening in that space. Um, and I'm sure you're noticing a lot of it, too. However, over the years, you know, as I just suggested, the definition of what health food means yep. has changed. Where do you see the industry at right now? And sort of what do you see for the next five years? Yeah, I, it's one of the things I find most exciting is um, just the vibrancy and the speed of which change happens in this industry. Mm. Um, you know, the, <laughs> we often joke at, at uh, some of the trade events, you'd, you'd see, you know, two or three vendors in one category one year. The next year there's like 400 of them and then the next year there's 40 yeah. of them yeah and you sort of see these waves that come in of innovation and people mm -hmm. jumping on board and testing the waters and seeing if it works or not um and so it's that that vibrancy that exists within the industry that i always find most exciting mm. recently i mean aside from the pivots and and um adjustments that people have made to their businesses because of covid which to me I'm like a hat off, you know, to, to these organizations who, uh, you know, were built to do one thing have had to change how, not only how they do business, but what their business model is. I mean, that's been inspiring. Um, but one of the things that, that I've seen a lot more of and, and, and seem to see uh, a lot more companies putting them into action is a little bit more transparency through their entire value chain. And I think a lot of it's coming from consumers. You know, it's, yes, there's a badge on the package. Yes, you're, you know, signifying that you are claiming to do something, but people are actually now taking a peek underneath the hood. Mm. And, and I think companies who are innovating into whether it's, you know, adapting uh, value chain, um, you know, testing and lock codes that you can look up. Uh, I spoke with a company the other day that is using some blockchain technology oh, cool. to be able to trace all the way back to seed. And I think that, you know, that desire from uh, um, consumers to truly want to understand the businesses that they're interacting with mm. is just hitting a whole new level. And I think it's awesome. Mm. I think it's great because uh, companies that are, are invested in doing it the right way and holding those values up and saying, this is what we stand for, mm -hmm. have the opportunity to be recognized for that work. And it's somewhat, you know, category agnostic, you know, whether you're in the plant-based space, which there's a lot happening in right now. Um, but if you're in simple commodities, really understanding what farm it came from and what the, the wages paid at that farm are, yep. um, I think there's a real push for building off of the environmental and sustainability mm. um, platforms that, that came before it. 
um, but a lot more transparency and, and uh, visibility throughout that entire value chain is some, something I get pretty excited about uh, mm. because I think it only has a lot of upside for consumers at the end of the day. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? There are significantly more B Corps in the world right now. You know, right, I, exactly. Yeah, coming yeah. back to Canada in 2015, Salt Spring Coffee is a B Corp. And so my exposure to the organization was, you know, what I knew from my time at Salt Spring. But since then, I feel like I'm on LinkedIn and there's a new B Corp yeah. coming online every week. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I used to say um, uh, the industry felt very binary, right? Yeah. It was black or white. Like yep. you were the health food product or you were conventional. Yeah. It's grayed now in a positive way. Like I don't mm. think that's a negative thing, but mm-hmm. the, the, the space between the two is blurred a little bit. And I know I've got a, a vision someday, you know, food is just health food. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no alternative to that. Mm-hmm. And it would marginalize more of the traditional foods. So yeah, I think we're in that phase. Um, you know, over half of Canadians today use a natural health product or consume an organic product on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. That is that's a significant portion of, of this country mm-hmm. that is already introduced, has already broken down that barrier for entry, whatever it is, and is now available for expansion and development of that category. So um, I think we're just at the beginning, but a pretty exciting threshold, I, I think, moving forward. Would you suggest that that's because of availability like you know distribution networks are greater or would you say it's a combination of that and potentially price parity as well but price economies of scale has definitely yeah. something to do with it yeah. right i think whatever that if the premium before was 30 percent then it went yeah. to 20 percent. now we're 10 to 15 yeah. percent, right i yeah. think there's a uh, an ability for consumers to accept that um I think education has another huge, mm. you know, components. People understand the product a little bit more. And I know a lot of our members, when I talk to them, you know, they say, if I get a time with a consumer, I, I can, I can bring them on board, right? I, it can make them understand sort mm. of the benefits and, and the, the differences, but it's getting that time. That was always the challenge. Um, technology has now leveled the playing field mm. a little bit. Um, we were talking the other day about how COVID has democratized so much, right? Like um, there are digitally um, uh, founded companies now that have never seen, you know, person-to-person contact. Mm-hmm. They, they launched a product, they've mm-hmm. shipped it now, they're connecting with people on digital. And so I think the, the way that people are finding these products has changed mm-hmm. because the way that these companies have been, have been built has changed. So they're not pivoting from an in-person to a digital business. They've just always been a digital launch digital. Yeah, I know. I talk to them every day at work, you know, and fascinating the exposure that they get through organic reach on something like a TikTok is incredible as well. Like this opportunity has never been here before. Yeah, no, no. So there's platforms that they can tap into. And and I think there's an awareness and an Mm. education that's never been seen before. Mm. um, That is a little bit like throwing gasoline on this whole thing, right? Mm. That there was an awareness, there was a need, a drive, a, a, a propensity to go towards this. But now there's the tools to actually drive people towards that. And when you look at the example that a lot of people point to, but like the work that, um, you know, the, the guys at MDS are doing at Midday Square, mm, like they've just, they've just taken this like, yeah, we'll pull the curtain down um, and we'll show you everything that's going on. And that gravitational pull that they're being shown from consumers were like, oh, let me lean in a little bit. Let, yeah. let, tell me more. This feels good to have a company talk to me this way. Yeah. I think it's a, just a great example of, of the need that's out there and someone who's met that need. Yeah. Jake Carls, he's so vulnerable and, yeah. um, you know, giving of his information and, you know, he's a real character as well. Like there's a lot of color in what he does and, you know, following him on LinkedIn as well has been a lot of fun. 
I um I had the opportunity to have lunch with Nick and Jake, like just as they were starting. Oh wow. And, yeah. and if I could tell you, like they were exactly the same then yeah. as they yeah. are today. Yeah. So that is authenticity. Like yeah. that's that's not a performance. That is just who those guys are. And it's yeah. it's great to see them have success yeah. being who they want to be. And yeah. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. We had a booth right opposite them at a CHFA trade show a few years ago. Oh my back. gosh. And yeah. that was I I I'll go far as to go so far as to say that it was probably the first one that they did. Like they were just a small little trellis table. They had, yep. you know, a small little stand behind them, a little bit of marketing, and they were all character. And yes. it was obvious that they were going to do something special with this business, but I didn't ever think that they would be doing what they're doing with it today. It was really cool to see. Yeah. Well, I, I think having gone through a bunch of MA work, I would yep. say evaluating businesses, yep. um, you'll look at, at the team, yeah, right? That's and I, I would agree with you. Like you look at it's them in this case, but like anybody that has that sort of passion and unstoppable mm. desire to go like i don't know how we're going to do it but we're mm -hmm. going to we're going to bleep and do it yeah um those are the ones you want to put your money on yeah um because that's what makes an entrepreneur special there's great yeah. business owners who would be great at running a business but that is very different than that twinkle you see in someone's eyes so yeah. like, i'm going to figure this out somehow some yeah. way and i'm never yeah. going to give up those are the special ones. Yeah. And people who aren't afraid to be the face of their business either. You know, yeah. they're, they're not yep. afraid to step out from, you know, in front of that trellis you know, table mm -hmm. and actually engage with their consumers, have a conversation, tell their story, be on social media. Like it, it's so cool to see because, you know, stepping out into the spotlight takes a lot of guts and it yes. takes probably a big mental decision to be able to do that. Like you've either got it within you or you don't. And if you don't, yes. you've got to make the decision to do it. And uh, yeah, that's sort of um, one of the common threads that I'm finding on this podcast that it seems to be something that is definitely required if you want to do something with your business. There is. And, and I think mm. the other thing that I would tag onto that is um, they have a, um, those, those situations, um, you see uh, founders and, and people out of the face of the organization who aren't trying to please everybody. Yeah. Right. Like they're going to lose some people. Like that's mm -hmm. not my cup of tea. That doesn't feel right to me. I don't like how you're, and they're okay with that. Yeah. Like they have, they've just decided that their business is going to be built off of their personalities mm -hmm. and their approach. And that's going to work for a lot of people, but they're not worried about it working for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, and I probably fell into this trap at some point, like when you're selling a product, you want everyone to buy it. And I think really quickly, you have to learn that it's not for everybody and you yep. don't want it to be for everybody. Um, but that's a harder lesson to learn later on, I think, than most entrepreneurs pick it up. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, you know, perusing the CHFA website as well, it was great to see you, you know, being the front and center of some of the videos as well. How do you yeah. find it being in the spotlight? Um, I am an introvert entirely, yeah. um, uh, absolutely an introvert. Um, but to your point, I think you realize if there's something you're passionate about and you care about, then sometimes you put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the, the team always jokes, like, that's not my default. I won't, I won't go to that. Um, but I like doing it. I love doing it because I like the results that we get when we have those opportunities to yeah. speak with them. So the team comes back and says, look, our open rate is X times more when you're on a video. <laughs> yes. I'm doing another video. Okay. Yeah. I did yeah. the, the fun story is we had to do a, 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 the government had done something that we had to respond to, but I had to get it done the day after I had my vaccine shot, uh, my COVID shot. Yeah. And I felt awful, <laughs> but it seems like you need to do the recording. So sitting in the basement, feeling like a hostage video, like pale sweating, trying to do this recording to talk about a government, like maybe this wasn't the best choice. <laughs> so sometimes you just got to plow through it and you got to do it. And, yeah. 
Um, so I have learned to enjoy it. I've learned more to enjoy the opportunity to connect with people and convey our message. Um, but it's not my default. So I think every once in a while, you got to got to step outside of your, your comfort zone. I hear Mate, I know we're uh, getting towards the um, top end of our hour as well, but I did want to see if you'd be willing to talk to us about Launchpad. There's a, sure. uh, a little sneak yeah. peek on the website, but I'd love to sort of get an inside scoop if you could share. Yeah. So, so Launchpad is one of my favorite things that we do. Mm. Um, and it's really this opportunity that it was it started several years ago, uh, but trying to create a, an opportunity for smaller brands that may not have really broken out into market yet to mm. sit and listen to some experts from the industry to get some feedback. Uh, we partnered with some great organizations over the years to bring some judges on board. And it's more of a, a Dragon's Den type format to oh, it. Cool. Um, but we've got a couple different brands that come in, they do some presentations, and they've got a huge um, uh, sort of prize pack that's about exposure through one of our publishing partners. Mm. Uh, there was some education, some tools and some resourcing through another uh, consulting group. Um, but it's one of our most engaged with uh, platform activities. Uh, it gives some great exposure to some small companies. I mean, even if you don't end up taking away the grand prize, it's just an experience to meet with, you know, the, the head of Natural Products Canada, mm. um, uh, some of the editors from Alive Magazine, right? Yeah. Like to get these guys in front of you, to have some time, to have a discussion about business and questions um, is just a really cool experience uh, if you end up being the winner, but even as an audience member. Just yeah. to see, like, if you're sitting on the sidelines as a small company, being able to watch the Launchpad event and go, okay, well, what are they doing? And, and what questions did they ask? Yeah. It, it ends up being a good experience for participants, but an amazing experience for the audience as well. So yeah, Launchpad is one we, um, we've really kept going through it, the pandemic and glad we did. And one, I think we're going to continue to build on because it's just, it's such a great initiative and, and then so much value to, to anyone who engages with it. No, it sounds to be. So all you need to do is be a member of the organization or the association yeah, and then correct. you can apply it to into the program to have a crack at it yes absolutely i think all you, know, you mentioned all the details are on the site yeah uh, there is the prerequisite for membership but yeah that's easy enough to take care of yeah um and yeah i'd love love to see um, anyone who's interested in, in getting in front of those those judges It'd that's be great a great experience mate what have we uh what have we missed what do we still need to cover in this conversation that's important for everybody to hear um what's important oh that's the open-ended challenging question um yeah, I mean, for me, as we've alluded to, there's a lot that we're doing at the organ at the association. Yep. I think CHFA has always been about change and we're just kind of on that continuing journey. Mm. Um, and so whenever I get asked on calls with members, if there's anything they can do, to me, the answer is always just participate, stay engaged. There's so many different touch points now, so many different opportunities to work within the community, to work with directly with us as an association. Um, and, and we are stronger together than we are apart. And so, you know, the advice I always give is, is get involved, you know, whether it's just uh, becoming a member so you can attend some of the webinars or, or tap into the mentorship. Uh, if it's the launchpad activity that, that you highlighted, if it's, you know, attending the conference and taking in some of the keynote speakers, some of the education platforms, it's just beginning to participate at whatever level is, is comfortable for people um, makes a difference for that person, but also for the community as a whole, because mm. we are stronger the, the more of us there are. Um, so if there's any opportunity, I, I, I encourage people to, to 
you know, take a swing at it, see what happens. That's awesome, mate. So you've got two trade shows coming up next year. You've got CHFA West on April 21 to 24, and then you've got East on September 15 to 18. So that'll all be here before we know it, eh? It's a blink of an eye, as the team mm. is telling me. We, yeah. uh, we just had an update meeting this morning. We are now uh, over 80% sold out oh, wow. okay. uh, for our April show. So yep. um, the enthusiasm and the excitement is definitely building. Mate, bring it on. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time today, Aaron. I really appreciate it. If anybody wanted to get in touch, what's the best way? Uh, they can reach out directly to me, uh, which is A-S-K-E-L-T-O-N at chfa.ca. Love to hear from anyone that's got any questions. And Hayden, thanks for the opportunity. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot, mate. Take care. Okay, all the best. Take care. You too. Bye. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into today's episode. I would like to briefly mention Foodpack and Futurepreneur Canada, our two show sponsors. Head on down to the show notes and click on the link and have a look on their websites. They both have an enormous amount of value that they can bring into your lives and businesses. Um, two things before we leave, please leave a rating or review. That would mean the absolute world to me. I can also be contacted if you've got any questions at Hayden at thepackofypodcast.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Thanks a lot. See you next week. Thank you.